Welcome to the Fundamental Baptist Podcast. There are many types of Baptists, but being a Baptist once meant that you were a fundamentalist. Over the years, many Baptists have strayed from the fundamentals and thus attack those who remain true to the faith. This podcast will address the issues surrounding what it means to be a fundamental Baptist. Somebody said, Brother House, fundamentalists are changing, aren't they? No, fundamentalists don't change. Folks quit being fundamentalists. God says when the troubles come, He said, fight. You can't fight. He said, withstand. You can't withstand. He said, stand. What does it mean to stand? He said, don't change. What? Don't change what? Number one, don't change what you believe. Here we will reason concerning the scriptures about the doctrines we hold dear. We believe in souls being saved, lives being changed, and Bible doctrines being strengthened by the Word of God. We believe in the local church, soul winning, missions, and everything taught in the King James Bible. I thank God tonight for this wonderful Bible. You know, I, I thank God it's a perfect book, and I, I love the Bible. Doesn't need any addition, no correction, nothing taken from it. Thank God tonight for the Holy Bible. I like it just like it is. We are not ashamed of being fundamental Baptists, and we want to encourage others to remain true to the Bible, their Baptist heritage, and to not change what they have been given. You just stick with the book. You can't beat this book. Why does every generation feel that we've got to change it just a little bit because our daddy did it fast with and our granddaddy did it like that, and let's change it just a little bit. You change it, and things that are different are not the same. The same commit thou to faithful men. Thank you for joining us in our discussion of what it means to be a fundamental Baptist. Hello and welcome. My name is David Baker. Welcome to the Fundamental Baptist Podcast. I am one of the um, co-hosts for this podcast. And a little introduction about me. I'm the pastor of the Family Baptist Church in Columbia, Tennessee, vice president of Independent Baptist Online College, married to my wonderful wife, Laura, for 31 years. We have 11 children together. If you missed episode zero, it'll explain a lot more of what we're doing. So make sure you go back and uh, listen to that. On this uh, podcast, we're going to interview other pastors, preachers, have other guests on here. But the main person that will be on is my co-host, Tim Peterson, who is a youth director in our church and married to our oldest daughter, Sarah. And so, uh, so many younger people today are going off the rails and totally, totally throwing away what they were taught. Uh, I appreciate Brother Tim, his beliefs, his convictions, and his life, and I love serving the Lord with him. And I'm so glad that my daughter found a guy who um, loves God and wants to serve God, and and we have a great time serving together. So, uh, Brother Tim, tell us a little bit about you, your background, where you're from, your church, your pastor, uh, your family, your college, and uh, all of that. Yeah, so a little bit about me. I grew up in uh, Southern California, about an hour North of San Diego is where we were at in Wildemar, California. Uh, grew up my entire life out there and uh, grew up in a good family, good home, uh, good parents and uh, good siblings and things. And and uh, and it was uh, we grew up at, at a church uh, in Southern California at Wildemar is Faith Baptist Church is the church we grew up at and um, went to school there, went to the Christian school. Uh, kindergarten through 12th grade, the whole nine yards got to uh, got to be there all growing up and sports and science fairs and uh, bus routes and all the different things and just enjoyed it and then um, went to college uh, in Kentucky uh, met Sarah there and uh, we got married uh, going uh, just about going into my senior year I think partway through my junior year and then finished out my senior year uh, on Independent Baptist Online College sort of right as it was launching Uh, really enjoyed that uh, learned a lot uh, from there and got my uh, pastoral theology degree from there uh, shortly thereafter, we moved down here to Columbia, Tennessee, and uh, we love it. We've been here for about five years now uh, and uh, got to do a lot of things and, and have really enjoyed it. So that's just a little bit of uh, the synopsis Awesome. Of that's great. And uh, I believe you have some children that uh, helped us have a lot of grandchildren. So tell us about them. Yep. So we were married in uh, July of 2016, and uh, at the time of this recording, it is January 2022, and we have five children, four and under, with one on the way in about the next month or so. So we will, at that point, have uh, six, four and under, uh, right before our oldest turns five. So God has been very good, and we're blessed and very grateful. Six children, four and under. Is that humanly possible? Uh 
I guess it is. Didn't know it was, but I guess it is. <laughs> I guess that's how it worked yeah, out. So you have them, um, you know, less than a year apart and have some twins in there. It is amazing. So uh, we love it. It's exciting. And uh, Sarah was our oldest girl. And so she was second mom and loves kids. And uh, and um, they're awesome. It's great to see what you guys are doing with them. So, so how old are you, Brother Tim? I am 26. 26 years old. So that puts you... Uh, at the bottom of millennial, is that right? I guess so. Something like that. <laughs> so, uh, so I thought millennials like, you know, hate IFB and uh, don't want to be fundamental Baptist anymore and change and all those things. Uh, is that not you? Well, that's what I've heard that 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 is what uh, everyone likes to do and, and things like that. And uh, I think there's a lot of good people who um, who have grown up like me or in similar uh, situations to me and, and have been, um, you know, through whatever situation they've been through, uh, chosen a different path. And, uh, I pray for them and care about them. And, and I think they're saved and on their way to heaven. Um, I think, you know, many of us have chosen different paths and I'm thankful for the path that I'm on. Um, but I think, uh, I think, uh, for whatever reason, they've been persuaded, they've been, uh, sort of, uh, shown different things. And, and, uh, if they're, uh, if they weren't fully grounded uh, on certain issues from the Bible, I think it just was easy to to go a different route. And I think they're good people, and I love them. But we are uh, we have taken some different paths, some of us. Right. So that's good. And we'll do some podcasts where we talk about that, and uh, hopefully be able to help some people. You can definitely understand uh, when we see things that aren't right, and many of uh, the people have. You look at something like that's not right, that's not right, and the whole difference is what do we do when something isn't right? And again, that's for another podcast, but. Um, I appreciate Brother Tim and the uh, direction that he has uh, taken. Uh, so, all right, we've got a couple announcements, disclaimers before we go forward into uh, this podcast. So, if you have a question for us, feel free, anything, the Fundamental Baptist Podcast at gmail.com. I tried to do the initials and they were taken. And so, anyway, it is what it is the Fundamental Baptist Podcast at gmail.com. It should be pretty simple to uh, remember. So if you have a criticism for us, send it on. That's okay. Well, we, we can handle it. Uh, if you have a correction for us, that's okay. Um, and if you uh, have a question for us, that's okay. The Fundamental Baptist Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, feel free to do that. And another disclaimer, okay? Now, I don't know that this is true, but some people say that my son-in-law talks too fast. Now, not for me, um, but when I listen to podcasts, most of the time I speed them up uh, so I can listen to them faster. Um, so anyway, my dad says, uh, your son-in-law talks too fast. Uh, so anyway, just a disclaimer there. And disclaimer uh, from my end, some people say that my father-in-law, uh, our pastor at our church, talks way too fast, uh, and I never notice. It's never been a thing for me. I hear fast and talk fast, so uh, so we tend to uh, sort of feed off of that. <laughs> All right. So anyway, if it is too fast for you, go to your podcast and then turn the speed down, and then uh, hopefully that'll be okay. So, all right. Um, one of the things I think is the biggest problem um, and we'll discuss this often on this podcast, is sound doctrine. Sound doctrine. Um, sound doctrine is this. Doctrine is teaching. Sound means it's solid. It means there are no holes in it. This boat is sound. This engine is sound. There are no holes in it. There are no problems with it. Um, Second uh, Timothy 4.3 says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And I believe that's exactly the problem that we see a lot because people come up with doctrine, especially what we're going to talk about in this issue. Um, there's doctrine, they're teaching, but boy, it's not sound. There's so many holes in it. And if it has a hole in it, then it's not sound. I don't know how many times I've uh, Brother Tim, talked to people and they go, oh, preacher, I was reading this. I had this thought. And they tell me this idea they had from the Bible, like, okay. Okay, and I listen to it, and then I, I say, well, what about, and I'll bring up a scripture, and they're like, oh, okay, yeah, you're right, that doesn't fit. <laughs> and then they go on their way, um, but that happens so yes. many times. You have a thought, you think it's okay, I'm sure I've done that before too, but then what we're supposed to do is take that thought and make sure we run it, filter it through the Bible, and see if there are any holes in it. Um, there's a 
teaching that God gave me, and, and it's biblical, and it's solid, and was all the way through the Bible, but I'd never heard anybody else preach that. And so um, I would bounce it off a bunch of preachers, older preachers, mean preachers that are going to tell me exactly what they think. Uh, I was at a conference and asked this um, older mean preacher out for breakfast and paid for it and ran this by him. And, uh, and he said, I said, so are there any holes in it? He goes, no, I can't see any holes in it. That sounds like uh, right <laughs> okay, good. Um, and I think sometimes we don't do that. We have a thought, we run on it, or we read something, or we listen to something, and then we get on that. So sound doctrine is really a big deal. And just to illustrate that, eternal security, okay? The salvation, once you get saved, you're eternally secure. God gave you everlasting life. Eternal life is forever. You can't lose it. You're born into God's family. Uh, you're always one of God's children. Uh, when we do wrong, God spanks us. We may lose rewards, but we're always one of his children. There are no holes in that. You could bring up all day, what about, what about, what about? And I promise you, biblically and logically, we're going to be able to get that. That is sound doctrine. There are no holes in that. And so, Tim, how many times have you heard and seen things like that that's just like, boy, you shake your head and go, that, that's not, that doesn't make sense? I 100% agree. And uh, even beyond that, I don't know, there's been many times where I've, you know, just been reading the Bible on my own. And then I go and I think, man, I just found this this thing that my dad never saw in the Bible in all his years, or my, you know, my pastor never saw in all these years in the Bible. And then, you know, you bring up your idea, uh, to, uh, you know, I've brought up different things to my dad or, or whoever. And, and then they're like, you know, well, you got to think about this part in the Bible and compare this, compare scripture with scripture. And then, and then you start to, con you, you look at it and like, yeah, that, that wasn't quite the right thought on, you know, and you just so easily get, get stuck on one particular passage, and sort of get uh, into the weeds of it and out of the context and not comparing it with other parts of scripture. And you get to, uh, you know, you sort of just naturally get messed up. And I think sometimes that can happen to all of us. Um, and then, but if we don't uh, com compare it with scripture and then beyond that, we don't go run it by other people and get second right. opinions on something, especially on a, on a big issue uh, from God's word. I think it can be dangerous. No, that's so true. I totally agree. Acts 17, 21. I think a lot of people are like this too. They're always looking for some new thing. Acts 17, 21 talks about that. They spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. And um, the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. If there's something new, it probably is going to be heresy. Um, um, and and we're going to talk a lot about that in another podcast and not to do that. Also, they're not like what you just said. The people of Berea, the Bible says they were searching the scriptures daily to see whether those things uh, were so. And boy, that's such a big deal. They were more noble than those in Thessalonica, Acts 17, because they searched the scriptures daily. They didn't just hear it and take it. They didn't just read it and take it. And so many people do that. Um, and, and I'm amazed how many people don't think through that. I was a freshman at Bible college. We went to hear some guy preach locally in the area. He was bragged about as a great uh, preacher. And, uh, and in that sermon, he preached Lordship Salvation. He preached um, getting a word of knowledge. He preached against our pastor. Um, he made this statement, just because you have a big church close to here doesn't mean God is blessing you. The closer you get to the cross, people <laughs> will leave you. Okay, he's preaching this in Crown Point, Indiana. What big church is close to there? Okay, I got back to the dorms. Honestly, Brother Tim, I asked three or four. I'm a freshman. I asked three or four guys that were there. What did you think about that? Man, that was awesome. Man, that was great preaching. And I repeated back to them what he said. Uh, I, I, I didn't hear that. You see the way he jumped over the pulpit? You see the way he ran on the top of the pews um, down? That's yep. all they saw. They didn't hear. They didn't listen. They didn't discern. And they obviously didn't search the scriptures. When I got in the car, I was waiting for my my friend, Brother Mark Bush, if you know him, um, good missionary and uh, teaching at House Anderson College now. I was waiting for him to say goodbye to his girlfriend. I'm sitting in the car and um, I said, please tell me that wasn't right. Because, <laughs> boy, the Holy Spirit inside was just going, oh, this is wrong. And he looked at me and he said, brother, you just heard heresy tonight. And I said, okay. Um, but it's amazing how many people don't do that. They don't search the scriptures. They don't discern. They don't look. They hear something. Oh, wow, that's new. That's cool. That's neat. Especially, too, if it's something that they want to know. They want to believe that. And uh, I think that's true. There's yeah. so many things they want to believe that when someone runs it across and they like it, that's, as, that's all they need. They're all into that. Yeah. And that, that actually, that story sort of reminds me of uh, a time 
in in college uh, when when we were there, and and I think Sarah would remember this. You probably would too. We I think we gave you a call, but we were sitting in in college chapel, and there was a, a visiting pastor who came in and preached all about lifting up Jesus, right? And it, the whole sermon on lifting up Jesus, and and uh, and totally took that passage out of context. Um, and and in regards to uh you know lifting him up and it's all about just praising Jesus and it has nothing to do with signifying the death uh that he uh that he died and and with Jesus being lifted up on the cross right and everyone's just amen and amen and and the uh, you know the teacher afterwards gets up and man so good lift up the name of Jesus and the way he taught it and preached it it was completely out of context and we we're like that doesn't make any sense but you sort of just you know uh you you listen and think whatever's being said from from there is true and there's uh there's no discernment and sometimes i feel like yeah. you know we can sort of uh get a lack of discernment in certain situations absolutely so many things like that and 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 really that's what we want with this podcast um we're not mean angry hateful now sometimes i promise you we will get uh, animated in this because these things are important uh but boy we love god love life i love to laugh and have fun uh but boy when you see false doctrine messing up people messing up families messing up couples um the episode zero, I talk about this, but my assistant pastor that just went totally off, pulled so many people away and people that had never drank were now drinking. Now they're getting drunk. Now they're bouncing from the bar. Now they're divorced. They had never even drank before, but he started teaching, oh, there's nothing wrong with drinking. Guess what? That's all they needed. And boom, they're gone. And they saw the things of that. And we'll talk about that. That will definitely be an issue down the road. But all right. So um, we want to we want to get into this. And this is really big. So we're going to talk about a new doctrine that I had never heard about. I've been preaching now 32 years. I have never heard anyone do and talk about this. And this came from uh, some guys. We're not going to use our name of the podcast, not trying to promote that. And hopefully um, I'm corresponding with these guys and trying to help them. And hopefully that we can. Hopefully this podcast can. Uh, hopefully they would take this as a kind um, rebuke, where the Bible says, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. Hopefully they could take this and go, okay, man, we were off on a little bit, and hopefully we could help them. Um, but um, but I never, never ever even heard this, and it was two guys that went to college where I went to college, one guy that went to college where you went to college, and, and they just have this doctrine on the new covenant that they have totally, totally messed up. And we don't have time in this podcast, and this may be a part one and part two, uh, even on this one, we don't have time to go in and teach all about covenants, but a covenant is a commitment that holds power. Um, Webster's Dictionary defines covenant as usually a, a usually formal, solemn, binding agreement, okay? In the Bible, there's the, uh, there's the Adamic, um, the Adam covenant, there's the uh, Noah covenant, there's the Abraham covenant, Abrahamic covenant, there's the Israel covenant, there's the Mosaic covenant, there's the David covenant that uh, someone from his family line would always be uh, on the throne of uh, Judah. And then there's a new covenant, talked about in Jeremiah 31 and Matthew and Hebrews, and this new covenant, um, and what they say is this new covenant is doing away with everything of the old. Okay, I got that. Um, but boy, how they take that and how they interpret that is just totally wrong. So that nothing else in the Bible we need to do or go by except accept Jesus as your Savior. That's it. And then just live in Jesus and rejoice in Jesus and enjoy Jesus. And boy, that's good. That sounds good. Uh, and boy, people love that. But biblically, there's so much more that God still does want us to do. And so I'm going to read Hebrews um, 8, 6 through 13, just to read that. And so now, um, but now hath he obtained a more excellent ministry by how much also he is a mediator of a, of a better covenant, which was established upon better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, then should no place have been sought for the second. For finding fault with them, he saith, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. So he's talking Old Testament. He's, uh, that was a prophesy of that. Verse 9, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the days when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they continued not in my covenant, and I regarded them not, saith the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind, 
and write them in their hearts and I will be to them a God and they shall be to me a people and they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother saying know the Lord for all shall know me from the least to the greatest for I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more in that he saith a new covenant he hath made the first old now that which decayeth and waxeth old is ready to vanish away very simply the old covenant of the priest ministering with the blood of bulls and goats and lambs and turtles wasn't perfect. Now that Jesus has come and has paid for our sins and the sprinkling of that blood is on the mercy seat in heaven, the old covenant is done. So we don't sacrifice the blood of animals anymore because that which is perfect, Jesus Christ, the sacrifice, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. And so he atoned not for a year, but Jesus' blood sprinkled is sprinkled forever. It's done, okay? And so we do not and are not under those things. Now listen very carefully. This is such a big thing. Anything that Jesus didn't take away is still there. In the military, the time we had a... Uh, it was called the uh, General Orders. And our first General Order, and I can't quote it, it's been 30, uh, 32 years for me, but basically the gist of it was you continue with the last command given until you're given another command, okay? And it's called the, uh, the First General <clears throat> Order. And so um, we literally had some guys, it wasn't my uh, platoon, uh, but I heard about this, that um, they were given a command, Forward March. And in that forward march, they were marching. Well, the drill sergeant got pulled away by somebody else and something else that was going on. And so the platoon marched and they kept marching and they got to the end where there was a, um, uh, there was a fence and everyone stopped except this one guy. He kept going, went over the fence, kept marching. They found him in town a few <laughs> hours later and, uh, and he's just walking downtown and it's like, what are you doing? It's like, I'm continuing with the last command given. The last command given we was forward march. So I'm forward marching. They tried to give him an article 15, which is they tried to bring a, a case against him. He could lose rank and lose pay. And he won that because he continued with the last command given. Okay. And so um, um, biblically, when God gave us a command and he didn't change it, he didn't uh, uh, take it away, then it's still there. And so the things that were changed very simply, Jesus, okay, Jesus is our sacrifice, so we don't have to sacrifice um, the uh, blood of bulls and goats and things anymore. Um, it's like this. The lamb was a picture of Jesus to come. Now that we have yep. Jesus, do we need the picture anymore? Brother Tim, I don't know if about this for you, but when I uh, was dating my wife, I had all these pictures of my wife. And I had them on my dorm. I had them on the wall. I had them everywhere. And boy, I would look at those pictures all the time. Since I got married, you know what? We still have pictures around, but I don't spend much time looking at those pictures. You want to guess why? <laughs> I've got the real thing. Why do I need the pictures when That's I've right. got the real thing? And so that is um, very simply what happened. Jesus is a sacrifice. He's come. We don't need the sacrifices anymore. And that's very clear and biblical and explained. All right. So the first thing that they said had changed was the sacrifices. Jesus is a lamb. And so we don't have to sacrifice lambs. Um, also the Sabbath, okay? The Sabbath. Um, second, uh, sorry, Corinthians 2.14, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us and took it away, took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. And so those ordinances and the Sabbath and holy days are the places it talks about that. And then the meat, the dietary laws. Uh, Peter talked about in Acts chapter 10, he'd never eaten anything that's common or unclean. And God said, the voice spake uh, unto him again the second time, what God hath cleansed, that call not thou common. And so those things were changed, but thou shalt not kill, guess what? <laughs> that never changed. That's not a steal. That never changed. And so um, and in another place, it talks about esteeming one day over another. And we don't have to do that anymore. Don't judge somebody that does, um, but we don't have to. That's the old covenant and the new covenant. The old covenant, they had the dietary laws. Old covenant, they had the animal sacrifices. The old covenant, they had um, the Sabbath day and the holy days and the feast days and all those things. They were looking forward to Jesus coming. When Jesus came, those things changed. 
speech, but thou shalt not kill and thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not commit adultery and all the other things, those things did not change. And so those things are still there. So uh, Tim, what we want to do is go through some of the statements that were said on the podcast and talk about them. Uh, So I listened to every episode of these and took some notes while we went through and just so many times just shaking my head. I know I would call you and go, what in the world are these guys thinking? Uh, Because there were so many things that went against the Bible. So um, uh, is that the same thing? Or what were you thinking when you heard these? Um, Yeah, I think, I think uh, just a few things on that, you know, along the lines of you don't have to do anything to be blessed uh, by God. Um, You don't have to worry so much about prayer and fasting in a in when you're going through a hard time or through a scary situation, um, just and and a few things like that. That uh, though I think sometimes they may be trying to come from a good place and things like that. They're just off on that because those are very valuable and very important things from God's word and uh, and and in Scripture it lays it out that and we'll go into that. But um, the fact that you're already holy, so uh, no future holiness. Uh, is uh, required and 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 things like that, and we agree it's not required to go to heaven, but holiness right. is still talked about. Um, uh, as far as uh, they talked about, you already are perfect, uh, you already are complete, all those things, and I think it's just uh, some some dangerous uh, directions and a lot of things that can be um, uh, be scary with that. Yes, it is. So um, we'll get into those. So these are some of the statements that were said in the podcast and just some Bible things that go against it. And this is what ought to be done. We're supposed to study and read the Bible. So when you hear something that, okay, that doesn't fit. But um, one of the things they said was, look, God is not looking at who I will become. You already are perfect. Like Brother Tim said, you already are holy. God's not looking at who you will become. And it's like, really? Philippians 1, 6, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. No, God is absolutely working at who you're going to become. Romans 8, 29, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate, not to be saved or not saved, that's Calvinism, we'll get into that sometime. But he said, he also did predestinate to what? To be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Yes, when God saved us, he did look at us at what we were going to become. Just like when anybody gets saved. When someone gets saved, great. You're on your way to heaven. What next? Get baptized. What next? Read the Bible. What next? Pray. What next? Go to church. What next? Live for God. What next? Witness. That's what God said we're supposed to do. In fact, of that great commission, okay, uh, they're to get saved, then to get baptized, and then what? Teach them all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Teach them what? All things. It's amazing, uh, Brother Tim, when they said, okay, after Jesus died, then the old covenant is dead, and nothing that was said in the old covenant you have to do anymore. So technically, the only thing that Jesus said after he resurrected, okay, after he resurrected, until he ascended, that's it. Everything else that Jesus said is obsolete. Everything. Because after he died, the old covenant is gone. The only thing is what he said afterwards. Could you imagine if the only thing Jesus said we're supposed to follow is what came after the resurrection and before he ascended? That's just crazy. I 100% agree. When you dive into those verses and, and going through the Gospels, uh, just what you said with Matthew 28, 14 and 15, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. In that key phrase, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Christ was telling them to go teach the rest of the world uh, what I just taught you. And I think yeah. one of the biggest parts about that is the fact that, right, when you when you, when you look at who we are as Christians and and uh, the Bible talks about the spirit of adoption, and we are uh, adopted into God's family as Christians and as believers, and uh, and we are joint heirs with Christ, right? One of the ways that I look at it is Christ, uh, we're joint heirs with him. He was uh, the son, the true son uh, of the father who sacrificed and took our penalty so that we could be adopted into the family uh, with an adopted father, and he was teaching us as a son who who paid the ultimate price for us to be a part of this family and adopted into this family, Christ was teaching us how to be sons to the Father. And he comes down and he lives 33 perfect years and, and shows us how we are to live as sons. 
And and to just completely do away with that and say, hey, that is only uh, specifically uh, to those who heard Jesus teach. He was only talking to uh, the disciples. He was only talking to the Pharisees in this context and things like that. You're basically saying at a certain point, if we try to say that that whatever Christ said to certain people, it only mattered to those people uh, specifically or directly, and it doesn't count to us. And you could pretty much say the whole Bible wasn't written Absolutely. to us at all. Because man, when Paul wrote to the church at Corinth or the church of Galatia or the all man, he was he didn't say my name. He wasn't talking to Absolutely. Tim Peterson. We're right? not Galatians. So, yeah, exactly. We're not Galatians. So, We're Americans. So in, it doesn't apply true, to us. In true context, that doesn't apply to me because if you're looking at who he was talking to, it doesn't apply. And I think you can get to a dangerous point with that because it's like, no, when Jesus was teaching the disciples those things or teaching the multitudes the things in Matthew 5 through 7 and, and Sermon on the Mount and stuff like that, those things still do apply to us as believers today. Absolutely. So speaking of that, so um, next thing they said, you don't have to do anything to be blessed. You're already blessed. You're already holy. You're already perfect. You're already complete. You don't have to do anything uh, because you already are that. And I understand there's the spiritual and the actual. We are seated in the heavenlies. We already have eternal life and everlasting life. But on this earth, like you said, as one of God's children, there are things in which he wants us to do. To get in my family, all my kids have to do is be born. After they're born, there's a lot of things I want them to do, not to be in my family, but because they are in my family. It's amazing how. So uh, you don't have to do anything to be blessed. So like you said, Tim, what about Matthew 5? Blessed what? Uh, blessed are many things. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are they that mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed, this is my, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. No, nope, nope. you don't have to do that. You don't have to do that because that was before Jesus died. And he is uh, the death of the testator, all that died. You don't have to do that anymore. That literally is what they're saying and what they're believing when God said no. And we're to teach all things whatsoever I've commanded you. Nope, nope, Sermon on the Mount, that's before Jesus died. You don't have to do that. That's crazy. Um, and so that's what they believe. So they say the new covenant doesn't start until the death of Christ. Therefore, everything that Christ preached in regards to the law um, or under the law, not grace. Okay? And so uh, we already said that in Matthew 28. That is not it. So... Um, um, another one, James 1.12, blessed is a man that endureth temptation. Hey, guess what? That is after Jesus died. That's New Testament. That's James. So are we going to be blessed if we endure temptation? In fact, he said, for when he has tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Uh, as you know, there are five different crowns that God can give us in heaven for what we do down here. So if they say, hey, you're already holy, you're already blessed, you don't have to do anything, then what do those crowns have to do with anything? What do we do with that? Those crowns are given because of what we do down here after we're saved. Um, also, Second uh, Timothy 4, 8, Henceforth, there is later for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, um, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Second Timothy, hey, this is after Jesus died, buried, rose again, and ascended. And God said, hey, we would have this blessing, this crown of righteous, if we look forward and love Jesus appearing. And so uh, uh, it is amazing how people can even get that or don't even follow after that. So, uh, so what do you have to do after salvation? Nothing. And here is their illustration with Tim. They said, literally, the thief on the cross, all he did was trust Jesus and he didn't do anything else. That's it. That's our example. Excuse me. <laughs> do you see any uh, error in that? <laughs> the thief on the cross, he did what? <laughs> Yeah, I think there's a there's a couple things with that, but uh, but I mean, first off, that when he was on the cross, uh, not that that's necessarily a just punishment nowadays, but that was the punishment of the day when he was on the cross and he was up there as a thief. Which hey, we're we are all sinners and we face punishments at times, but he called on on Jesus and uh, and he is, I believe, in heaven today because no works were involved. All he had to do was put his faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Uh, but um, I would be interested to see what kind of rewards uh, that the thief gets exactly. at the at <laughs> at the judgment. You know, judgment seat of Christ. I think that that's probably not going to be too many. 
But the whole simplicity to this is when they use the thief on the cross as an illustration and he didn't do anything after that. Yeah, he died. So he couldn't do anything. He's on the cross. He's getting the death penalty. So to use him as an illustration that, see, after you get saved, you don't have to do anything. Obviously, if I get saved and the next hour I die, there's nothing else I can do. But as long as you live, then we are supposed to live for God. Um, and so uh, here, John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. Do you have to keep his commandments to be saved? No. Should we keep his commandments to show him we love him? Absolutely. Oh, no, but uh, this was before Jesus died on the cross. But you know what? Not very much. In the New Testament, John 14 through 17 is known as the farewell discourse given to Jesus to the disciples immediately after the Last Supper and before his crucifixion. Okay, so how much time is that? Could you imagine? Read John 14 through John 17, this farewell discourse, and all the things that Jesus said to do, nope, it doesn't matter. Why in the world would he tell them, listen, if you love me, keep my commandments, but you only have to do that for the next few hours because I'm getting ready to die, and then you don't have to do that anymore. I mean, does that make any sense at all that he's going to give them these three chapters, but you only have to do it for the next few hours? And by the way, when you follow what the disciples did during those hours, uh, they didn't do very good. <laughs> they didn't show Jesus that they loved him. Uh, cursed for, denied Christ, ran. No, that's not um, what Jesus told them to do. And it's amazing. They Nope, Jesus said that before he died, so none of that matters. Uh, no, absolutely it does. He's giving his disciples what they're supposed to do after he's dead and what they're supposed to do for the rest of their life. Um, so um, then they said, uh, oh, um, you don't have a desire to sin anymore. Really? Where in the world do you get that? Paul said, in 1 Timothy 1 15, um, he said, uh, he came to the world to save sinners of whom I am chief, not was, who am chief. Romans 7, 18, 19, uh, he said, for in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. Um, and then uh, Romans 7, 24, O wretched man that I am who shall deliver me from the body of this death. I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law and with the flesh, the law of sin. We are still going to sin. We're in this body. Paul said he's chief of sinners. The things he wants to do, he doesn't do. And he is a wretched man. And, um, and so that's whole, I am holy. I am blessed. I am perfect. I am complete. Um, Paul, the best Christian I think any of us could ever uh, know besides Jesus, that was not his attitude. Agreed. And to say that, <clears throat> that we are holy when we're inside a body of flesh, which is completely unholy. And that's what Paul's saying in this, man, we're living inside this body of flesh. And until we go to heaven, we're going to be dealing with the flesh this whole life and the rest of our lives. And, and we're constantly going to be trying to tame it and control it and crucify it. That's why we are supposed to crucify our flesh daily with temptations and lusts because of what Christ did for us on the cross. There, there is, there, there are things as Christians we are supposed to do after salvation to please God and to show our love for God. And, and, I would, I guess it comes back to, uh, in, in my mind, crucifying my flesh daily, uh, with the affections and lusts should be such a, such an easy thing in comparison to what Christ did for me on the cross. And because right. of what he did for me, man, it should be, it shouldn't be this, this, uh, this super hard thing for me to do. It should, you know, not that it's always easy, but to say daily, man, I die daily to the flesh because of what he did for me. It's, it's a whole different mindset. But when you look at dying to the flesh as these rules and regulations from God's word and this overbearing, uh, overbearing thing you got to do, then I feel like you're looking at it from the, the wrong perspective. Absolutely. Another statement that was said, uh, you don't have to pray and ask God to forgive you um, because when you sin now, 1 John 1, 9 was written to the unsaved people. One of the just, you shake your head and go, what? First John 1, 9. It's very simply explained. 
every almost basic Christian understands this. I explain this to somebody right after they get saved, that when you get saved, you're sealed, you're settled, you have eternal life, it's forever, you can't lose it. But when you sin, God spanks you as one of his children, and you do right, God can bless you as one of his children. And when we sin, what we do is we go to God and we confess it, not to be saved, that's already done, but we do that to keep a close relationship with our father. And I use the illustration with my wife. If I am upset, mad, yell at my wife, are we still married? Yes. Okay. How close is our relationship? It's not. I need to go to her and say, honey, I'm sorry. Would you please forgive me? What can I do to make it right? Not to be married, but to have a close relationship. Same thing. When we sin against God, we go to God, we confess it to God, not to be saved, but because we are saved and we want to have a close relationship. They say, oh yeah, uh, 1 John uh, 1 is written to um, save people. Okay. No, it's not. It's written, uh, uh, it's, uh, it's written to unsaved people. People, they say. Um, no, it's written to save people who think they're sinless. Verse 8, right before it says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. He's talking about people, and this is done a lot. Christians, oh, I'm saved. <laughs> I remember a lady told me, uh, she goes, I am one of the best Christians I know. <laughs> My wife and I are like, really? We know you. You are the worst Christian we know. The best Christian um, has no idea they're the best Christian because the closer you get to the cross, the more you realize, like Isaiah, I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. The closer you get to Jesus, the light, the more we're going to see how many flaws that we have. And so this is not written to unsaved people to get saved, this is written to save. For instance, go read it for yourself. First John 1, verse 2. By the way, First John says four times in it, brethren, 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 okay? That saved people. Eternal life was manifest unto us, it says. Now, First John 1, verse uh, 2. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father, and was manifest unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that we also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. These things write I unto you that your joy may be full. If you want to see the context, okay, why is something written? Go read and see why it's written. Um, and many times it will tell you that. Here it is in verse four. He says, I wrote these things to you so you can be saved, so you can trust Christ as your Savior. No, I wrote these things to you that after you're saved, your joy may be full. It is not talking to unsaved people. And First John 1, 9 is getting saved. Absolutely not. And it's amazing when people have false doctrine and they try to fix and patch the holes, they don't do a good job because it doesn't fit. That square peg and a round hole, it doesn't fit when you take that out of context. And just to follow up on that, in that context of it, when John's writing to him, think about when it's being written to believers. If you have a believer or even you yourself as a believer, uh, us, we if we get to a point to where we believe that we have no sin, and we, we really are deceiving ourselves. And our joy will not be full. That is truly to believers. It is for our joy to be full Absolutely. after salvation. Man, we cannot just deceive ourselves and say we don't have sin. We're still in this body of flesh. And confession um, in life, in every relationship, if there's hiding, if there's deception, if there's sin, if there's betrayal, confession helps heal that relationship. And, and for us to say that, that confession is not needed with the Father, the one who gave his son for us after salvation, and when we continue to sin, and uh, despite the fact of what Jesus did for us and his son that he offered for us, and we just continue to sin and then just put it, put it off as, hey man, I just got to keep looking to Jesus, which yes, we do need to keep looking to Jesus, but we need to go to the Father and say, you know, be merciful to me, a sinner. Man, Absolutely. like, God, I need help. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, well, we're coming up on 45 minutes with this. It's hard to believe. We are definitely going to make two parts out of this. Um, but before we do, I want to share one of the things that was just sad, hurtful. Um, man, I hurt for these guys and what they're doing. One guy was saying, and by the way, it really gets to the crux of it. They said, um, 
You know, since I found this new doctrine, the Christian life is so much more fun. I enjoy it so much more. (laughs) I thought, you know what? Um, If I thought the boss, when I went to work, said, you know what? You got the job. Do whatever you want to do. Come when you want. Go when you want. If you don't want to show up, you don't have to come. If you don't want to work when you come, you don't have to work. Just do whatever you want to do. Guess how much fun work would be? (laughs) Hey, Brother Tim, if that was your job, how much fun? I enjoy my work so much more now that I realize I don't have to do anything, okay? Uh, Of course you're going to, but you're going to wake up one day and that boss is going to go, guess what? No, that's not it. And that's not what Jesus is saying at all. Uh, How would your job be? uh, Would would your job be more fun if you didn't have to do anything? Uh, Definitely. And and to that point, if the if the boss says, hey, you're hired and you can really do whatever you want. And uh, but at the end, you'll be paid off your work. Um, You're hired, but you're going to be paid off your work. Um, And uh, yeah, during the shift and during the work week, it'd be easy to just do nothing. But man, come there there is a time when uh, Friday hits and and you may have a paycheck, you may not. And, uh, and man, we're going to be at the judgment seat of Christ and standing before the throne and what we do with our life and how we offer our, our body as a living sacrifice and get the gospel out to others. That is going to be judged. We will face judgment as saved people. We will face judgment that, that is going to happen. That's biblical. And to act like there will be no judgment whatsoever. It's not the great white throne. It's the judgment seat of Christ for Christians, there will be judgment. So to try and act like that part of the Bible is not there, I I feel like is is blind. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Romans 14, as it is written, uh, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. And again, that's not talking about the great white throne judgment. Second Corinthians 5.10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he done, whether it be good or bad. As Brother Tim said, we're rewarded according to our labor. All right, you're hired. Hey, you're saved. Um, here's what I want you to do. But if you don't, you're still saved, but you will be rewarded according to your labor because one day, Jesus, when we stand before him and kneel and bow, okay, give an account, one day he's going to look at us and either say, well done, thou good and faithful servant, and put a crown on our head. Or one day he's going to look at us and say, you are a wicked and slothful servant, and I cannot fathom um, Jesus looking at me and saying that. And so absolutely, we're rewarded according to our labor. You're saved, but what we do will matter, not to get you to heaven, but the rewards, somehow the treasures that are laid up in heaven, um, the crowns, who knows? We know more about hell than we do about heaven. When Paul saw the third heaven, he said, it's unlawful. I can't put in words what I saw, but boy, We don't have to see it as long as we're doing what he says when he comes to find us what? So doing, that's what he wants us to do. So um, Tim, I'm going to tell this one one other story and then if you have anything in closing um, there for us, but it is uh, one of the guys said, that uh, man, and and you hear the attitude. Then most of the guys that get off on this kind of stuff, they were rebels already, and they they complied for a while to the preaching and teaching that was taught to them. They were rebels already, and uh, almost every one of them I've heard give that testimony like that. Not all of them, but many of them do. And so now they found this new way where they can do whatever they want, and it's no big deal, and it doesn't matter. And this one guy said, "Man, I hate it when they tell me, uh, you know, man, you're not right with God." I am right with God. I'm saved. No matter what I do, I am right with God. And uh, you don't have to do anything to be blessed. And um, and it doesn't matter. And it's amazing. I was right after I heard that podcast, I was reading the book of Acts. And we have the story there in Acts chapter 8 of um, Simon. Okay. Simon got saved, the Bible says. Simon um, said that uh, he got saved and he got baptized, um, and now he wanted to serve God. So verse 13, then Simon himself believed also. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs that were done. Okay. You can't deny it. This guy would say, this is Acts. Okay. This is new covenant. All right. New covenant in Acts. So I don't know how they're going to get out of this or how they try to. Um, and so they saw the Holy Ghost come down. They saw the Holy Ghost was given when they laid on hands. And so then Simon saw that through, this is verse 18, through laying on of hands um, on the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was given. He offered them money. 
saying, give me also this power that on whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. Verse 20, Peter said unto him, thy money perish with thee because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. What? He said, you don't have to do anything. You are right with God. Guess what? (laughs) Peter said he is not. And these guys are gonna find out they're not either. And then he said, repent. What? No, I can do whatever I want. I'm saved. This new covenant, I don't have to change anything. I can do what I want. Repent, therefore, of this thy wickedness and pray uh, God. He's the one that also said, you don't have to pray. Daughter's in the hospital. I don't have to pray. I can just rest that God's okay. (laughs) He said, uh, your heart's not right with God. You need to repent and pray God if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee. It's just, wow, I just heard that. And God said, yes, heresy is what they're in. Teaching heresy. And what's the big deal? And the Bible says that when we teach people, the wrong way. <laughs> There's some people that are going to receive a greater damnation in hell if they're not saved. And then the people that are saved that are teaching wrong, the Bible said that they will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. And so, boy, what a story that totally goes against what the guys were saying uh, because they were not right with God and they needed to be able to change that um, because uh, their heart wasn't right and they needed to pray. So anyway, pretty amazing. I agree. And I think it just gets back to the point of sound doctrine and, um, and even just being on this, uh, uh, you know, this podcast, I'm definitely, uh, the younger guy and things like that. And, um, and Hey, don't rub it in. (laughs) If I say something that is, uh, that is, uh, out of line or, uh, you know, uh, not according to God's word. And I start to teach something, then I want to know, like, if if at our church and I'm teaching the teen Sunday school class and and it's it's not accurate to God's word, then hey, I I want you to tell me. I don't want to teach something that's that's inaccurate. And and hopefully, if someone is out there and they're teaching something that that is brand new or brand new to them and things like that, then then uh, then they can get to the point to where man, they they pray and go before God and just say, hey, is this is this right? Is this sound doctrine? Because uh, I think that is very important. I think it's it's very dangerous to. Uh, to try and teach to the point of saying, hey, uh, you can live certain ways and, and sort of uh, no longer talk about s- sin or discuss sin. Uh, but sin is very real. And uh, and even in the New Testament, even in the New Covenant, all throughout the Bible, it's consistent. And uh, and sin is something that we are supposed to stay away from as Christians and uh, and something we're supposed to fight the good fight of faith and and uh, and focus on souls, focus on uh, leading people to Christ, focus on the work we're doing for Christ and uh, and stay close to God's word and and things like that. So um, I just think awesome. uh, we could all be a little bit more careful on on uh, our own sound doctrine and and uh, proving it, making sure it's proven uh, from God's word before we push it out. Absolutely. All right. Hey, we're going to end this one now. Again, I don't want to make these too long. We will have part two of this. There's a lot more. And um, I hope that uh, you've enjoyed this. It's been a help to you. I hope that you look at the Bible and say, okay, make sure this lines up with the rest of the Bible. If there's something that you hear or think, okay, I don't know if this is right. God gave us pastors and teachers uh, for those reasons to be able to help us. Apollos was mighty in the word, but Aquila and Priscilla taught him the word of God more perfectly. And so with a, with a humble heart, heart, that's the kind of attitude that we want to take. And uh, I've always said, boy, if I'm teaching anything that goes different than the Bible, the Bible's right and I'm not. I want to be correct. I don't want to be in error. And that's the humble heart that we ought to have. So, all right, we're going to uh, close this. So if you have a question or a comment or a hate, go ahead. Okay. Send it to the fundamentalbaptistpodcast.com or at gmail.com. Send it to that and uh, we'll look forward to getting that and I'm sure we'll uh, do an episode sometime of just uh, answering those questions. But uh, Brother Tim, thank you for being here. Uh, Excited to have you here and looking forward to this podcast and hopefully we can help a lot of people to have. Thank you for listening to the Fundamental Baptist Podcast. If you have any questions, you can email us at thefundamentalbaptistpodcast at gmail.com.